Uh, well, if we haven't met yet, my name is Josh. It is really good to have you guys here. I'm the lead pastor, and uh, I have the privilege of sharing God's word with you today. Uh, we're in a series right now called I Believe. We've got this week, we've got next week, and then uh, two weeks from today, we're going to have a guest speaker. Uh, his name is Dr. Bill Hostler. My dad is coming back uh, to speak uh, here again in, in two weeks. I'm excited about that. And then three weeks from today is Easter. So this series that we've been in is going through the Gospel of John. So if you guys have your Bibles, open those up to John chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one in the seat back in front of you. If you do not have a Bible or own one, that gift can be yours. You can have that for free. We'd love to be able to put that in your hands. And so uh, John chapter 3, if you're new to the Bible, uh, the John is in the first part of what's called the New Testament. Um, it's probably in the latter uh, third of the Bible, as you look at that size-wise, you can find that, um, the Gospel of John. So the premise of this series, uh, oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, uh, we want to welcome those joining us online. Can you guys give a hand to those joining us online? We know you slept in today, but that's okay. But we're glad you guys are with us as well. Okay, uh, John chapter 3, we're, this, the premise of the series is this, that ideas have consequences. You guys remember that? We talked about that before, that ideas have consequences. Um, so I became a Christian when I was very young. I grew up in a Christian home, became a follower of Jesus when I was very young. And that decision, right, those beliefs set a trajectory for my life. Would you agree with that? I believe that, that where we are today, so basically my life today was shaped by my beliefs of yesterday. Make sense? My life today, where I am right now, was shaped by what I believed and thought and the ideas that I had of my yesterdays. Years ago, I came across uh, this maxim or this kind of cr uh, Christian uh, truth statement. Here it is. You may have heard this before. I don't know who the author is. I tried to track it down, but it's attributed to several different people. But here's what it says. Born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. It's really a statement that's tied into what Nathan talked about last week when Jesus was having a conversation with a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious leader in the first century, came to Jesus, said, Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? That's the ultimate question, right? If there is a heaven, God, what do I have to do to make sure that I go there when I die. Jesus' answer to him is that you must be born again. So uh, born once, die twice. So born once physically, you will die twice. You will die physically, and you will die spiritually. Born twice means born physically, and born spiritually, you will die once, which means you will die physically, but you will not die spiritually. Make sense? That's what Jesus was saying last week. Each one of us is born physically, but then Jesus taught us that each one of us must also be born a second time. He actually said that to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus was confused like we would all be, and what did he say? He's like, well, you want me to be born a second time and go back into my mother's womb? It's like, no, that's, you're confused, right? Don't do that. That would be weird, but you need to be born spiritually. And Jesus said, this comes by putting our faith and trust in him, where we are made alive again spiritually. John 3, 7 said this. Jesus said, you should not be surprised 
at my saying, you must be born again. And 2 Corinthians 5 reminds us that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come, all this is from God. So here's our question for today. How do you know if you are in Christ? How do you know if you have been born a second time? Question. If Jesus is saying you must be born again to have access to heaven, how do you know if you are in Christ? Or how do you know if you've been born a second time? You don't get a birth certificate, right? So how do you know? And in the first century, when Jesus lived, there was one answer to that question. And we're going to look at that in our text today in John chapter 3. So John chapter 3, just two short verses. I want you guys to try to figure out what is the answer to that question. How do you know if you're in Christ? So here we go. John chapter 3, verse 22. It says, After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside, where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing at Anon near Salem because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being, what's the word? Baptized. So in the first century, the answer was baptism. How you knew, the, the, the number one, more than any other indicator, baptism signaled that you are a follower of Jesus. Uh, when I was uh, just done with high school, um, I was heading into uh, mechanical engineering as a degree. I'll tell you later how I got to Bible and to preaching and all that stuff from that. But I got accepted to a college uh, known as General Motors Institute or GMI, right? It's called, now called Kettering University. I brag, I brag, I'm really proud of that fact, okay? I, just, I didn't go, ever go to school there. I didn't ever give them a dime of my money, but... Uh, I'm really excited about that. One of the things I will hold on to as long as I can, uh, when I did a campus visit, they gave me a free t-shirt. All right, so now I do have a GMI Bulldogs. Uh, it's now a paint shirt, all right? It's a, it's a work shirt of mine, but um, I will hang on to this as long as I possibly can uh, because it's a, it's a sign of like acceptance, right? It's a sign of you are now a part of this community. If you ever went to a college, if you've been a part of a sorority, if you've ever been a part of any kind of group, it's like you're now a part of this thing. You're associated with it. I was really proud of that. I've always been proud of that, that fact. This is for them what baptism is in the first century. Baptism is them publicly saying, I am now a part of this group of people known as Christians. Does that make sense? So baptism was the sign of a commitment, of a covenant, of a relationship, of a connection with Jesus. So what I want to try to answer today is where did baptism come from and what does it mean? Where did it come from and what does it mean? So baptism uh, did not originate in the New Testament. Baptism started in the Old Testament of the Bible as like a form of ceremonial cleansing or purification. They called it absolution. If any of you grew up Catholic, you may, have, you may know that phrase, absolution, or the idea that a priest can absolve someone of their sins, right? Um, now, we don't, we don't see that biblically, but the idea of absolution connected to, uh, to water purification is something that we see in the Old Testament. They would wash their hands. Now, we do that to, to stay healthy, right? We wash hands. 
but they would do it as a way of like ceremonial cleansing to say like I wash my hands of this situation. You guys ever said that before? Um, it's, a, it's a way to symbolize purification. They would sometimes wash their hands. They would sometimes wash their hands and their feet. Um, sometimes they would wash their entire body as a way to purify ceremonially um, themselves from sin or from something like that. So here's the summary statement. Baptism is a physical representation of a deeper spiritual reality. Baptism is a physical representation of a deeper spiritual reality. Uh, this is what I think the best, best analogies I can think of. I'll give some other examples. So I have a wedding ring. Um, this wedding ring represents something, right? I take this wedding ring off. Does that mean that I'm no longer married? No, thank you. No, it does not. I'm still married, all right? The wedding ring, though, represents a commitment that I've made to my wife and that she's made to me. Make sense? Baptism is that public demonstration that I am with Jesus. See, what makes baptism different, I'm not sure why I just took my ring off again. What, what makes baptism different, I like to play with my ring. Anybody else play with their ring? My ring will spin for days if I spin it on a table. It'll spin for days. You just have to believe me. Trust me. You're welcome for that. What makes baptism different than just going swimming or taking a bath is what's happening on the inside of a person. So it represents what God is doing on the inside of a person. So I want to give you guys uh, four things that baptism represents, and I'm going to make my case and argument for why you should be baptized. All right, so here we go. Number one, baptism represents that you have been born again. When you go down into the water, it signifies what? Cleansing? Yeah, what else? When we talk about being born again, it symbolizes death. Yeah, here we go. Welcome to church, right? Here we go. But this is important imagery. When we talk about baptism, we talk about going down into the water, it symbolizes death. It symbolizes that you are dying to yourself. You're dying to your old way of living. You're dying to the way that you used to do things. You are dying to your own desires. And then when we come back up out of the water, what does that represent? Life or resurrection. That you being, are being raised again to new life. Please hear me. This is not insignificant. Remember what I said, that baptism is a physical representation. Physical things, tangible things representing a spiritual truth. What I feel like I'm fighting against today in my own mind as well is that our culture only values or highly values what is physical, right? I can take it, I can taste it, I can touch it, I can feel it, I can see it. But we deny the reality of, this, of things that exist in the spiritual, spiritual realms. That makes sense? If we believe that there is a God, we believe that God is at work in us, spiritually speaking as well, what so many people try to do is they try to live a morally upright life without the power of God to help them do it. See, what Jesus said is you must be born again or made alive spiritually. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have been made alive spiritually, and you need to be reminded that God is giving you power and strength to live the life he wants you to live, right? So baptism signifies or represents that you have been born again. Romans 6, verse 4 says, We therefore, we were therefore buried with Christ through baptism into death 
in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So baptism represents that you've been born again. Can, you guys, can somebody say amen to that? It means I agree. Like it is a, is a symbol representing what has happened inside of you, spiritually speaking. Number two, baptism signifies that you have been cleansed from your sin. Acts 22, verse 16 says, And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. The story is told, uh, this week is uh, St. Patrick's Day, uh, and just so we all know, there is a real person named St. Patrick before it became a holiday, all right? And uh, the story is told of a king by the name of King uh, Angus, uh, who was baptized by St. Patrick in the middle of the 5th century. And sometime during this rite of baptism, St. Patrick leaned on a sharp-pointed staff and inadvertently stabbed the king's foot. After the baptism was over, St. Patrick looked down at all the blood and realized what he had done. He begged the king's forgiveness. He said, why did you suffer this pain in silence? And the king replied, I thought it was part of the ritual. <laughs> so the, the, the good news is when you get baptized, there's no blood involved of yours, all right? But the truth is we are cleansed by the blood of that was shed by Jesus on the cross. Somebody say amen to this. Amen. I want us to wake up a little bit spiritually today, right? That we are forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. Amen? amen? That we are truly cleansed from our sin by the blood of Jesus. Number three, baptism proclaims your surrender to Jesus. Luke nine twenty three, Jesus said, if anyone would come after me or follow me, he must, number one, deny himself, number two, take up his cross, and number three, come follow me. Can you imagine if I said of my wife, Raylin, I love you, you guys are going to cringe, <laughs> I just don't want to be seen with you. How would that go? <laughs> Pray for me, right? Raylin, I love you. I just don't want anyone to know that I love you. How would that go? Yet that's how many people approach their faith in God, right? God, I believe in you. I just don't want anybody to know that I do. It's just personal. It's just mine. That's not what scripture teaches, that we need to be willing to proclaim our surrender to Jesus. Jesus doesn't make following him easy. Sometimes we make the bar way too low, right? If you go to church, then you're good. But no, following Jesus is much more difficult than that. Number four, then, baptism expresses your desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes, baptism is closely connected to receiving the Holy Spirit. Jesus is an example of this. When Jesus was baptized, the heavens opened and something came down and rested on Jesus. Do you guys know what that was? A dove. A dove. Why a dove? What did the dove represent? <laughs> yeah, you're like, Jesus, I can't hear you. Yeah, Je it represents the Holy Spirit. It represents peace, but the dove in the Bible represents the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit comes down on Jesus, uh, showing God's approval of what Jesus is doing. Make sense? 
we see this going on in Acts chapter 19. This is a really interesting passage. Paul, um, talking with some believers, some Christians, he, he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Right? Um, then he goes on, he asked them, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one who was coming after him, that is Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. Make sense? So baptism demonstrates or expresses your desire, saying, God, I want my life to be filled with your Holy Spirit. I want to experience that new birth spiritually in my life. Does that make sense? So baptism is a physical representation of a deeper spiritual reality. If you've been baptized, what I hope happens today is that you're reminded and encouraged about what God has done in your life. And if you haven't been baptized, I want to encourage you to, to take that step. So let me give you four reasons why I believe that you should be baptized. I'm going to make the case, the argument. I'm going to put on my best lawyer hat and, uh, and make my case. So here we go. Number one, I believe that, that you should be baptized because number one, Jesus himself was baptized. I would say that if we're going to follow Jesus, quite simply, we should do the things that Jesus did. Would you agree with that? If we're going to follow Jesus and imitate the life of Jesus, let's do the things that Jesus did. Matthew chapter 3 tells us about Jesus' baptism. Then Jesus came to Galilee, to the Jordan River, to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. So if Jesus was baptized, that's a pretty good reason for me to be baptized. Number two, the apostles taught it. So by the apostles, what I mean is the 12 disciples that Jesus had. So the people that Jesus taught, taught other people to be baptized. Here's an example, Acts chapter two, verse 28. Peter replied, I want you to repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So number one, Jesus was baptized. Number two, the apostles taught us to be baptized. Number three, it allows me to publicly show my love for Jesus. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10. He said, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. That sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? But the reality is, Jesus says, if you're not willing to be counted with me publicly, then I'm not going to acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. So it allows me to publicly show my love for Jesus. Um, once after like a sermon a lot like this, a little boy uh, asked his pastor, he said, hey, when can I get advertised? That's kind of what he thought baptism was. Uh, in some ways, that's not a bad mindset to have, is it? He thought that was the word, advertisement. It's really baptism. But really, that's what we're doing. We're, we're saying, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm willing to declare that publicly. That's what baptism, it pub allows me to publicly show my love for Jesus. I think that's why you should do it. 
Number four, last reason why I think that you should be baptized is this, is that Jesus commanded it. Jesus commanded it. Matthew chapter 28, 18 to 20, it's known as the Great Commission. You'll know uh, these verses most likely, but here's what it says. Then Jesus came to them, his disciples, and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. We know that part, right? What does it say next? Are you guys following what I'm following? Are we good? Well, I'm going to fall. Okay, there we go. Okay. Therefore, go and make disciples. I love seeing the back of my head. I know people uh, singing here in worship like that too. Okay, there we go. So, uh, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. What does it say? Baptizing. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus commanded that his followers for generations to come, would express their commitment to Jesus through what? Through baptism, right? Through baptism. Baptism is the way that you say, I'm a part of what Jesus is doing. That I'm taking what he's done for me and applying that to my life. That's how you signify that you are in Christ. It's that step of obedience to say, I follow Jesus. So I became a follower of Jesus when I was very young. Here's a picture of the intersection that my mom and I sat at in Port Huron, Michigan, the intersection of North River Road and Pine Grove Avenue. We were driving down North River Road toward Pine Grove Avenue in my parents' uh, yellow Volkswagen Rabbit diesel car. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And my mom and I were having a conversation. I probably heard some stuff in church I was asking my mom about how, how, do I, how can I be forgiven of my sins? And how can I, you know, give my life to God? And we, we talked about that, and we prayed together, and I invited God to come into my life and change me. And I will never forget the overwhelming sense of joy that flooded my heart and my life that day. I was very young, but I will never forget. That was a life-changing moment for me. But I waited a while until I was baptized, probably 17, 18, 19 years old. Here's a picture of my baptism. We had to dig out of the, uh, the files and dust it off uh, back before digital pictures, all right? So this is a picture of uh, my dad was a pastor in a church in Port Huron. That's where I, I grew up. And um, uh, one of the reasons I didn't want to get baptized was that I was afraid of being in front of other people. Uh, kind of funny, right? Kind of ironic. But uh, you can see the choir sitting there. Their choir was about the same size as our whole church, right? It's a big church. And I didn't, I was embarrassed, I didn't want to be in front of other people. I was scared to be in front of other people. I was dragging my feet. I also felt like I needed to be a better person before I was baptized. Does that make sense? I felt like I kind of snuck in the door of Christianity, but then I needed to be a lot better person uh, before I could take, I thought thought that baptism was for super holy people. Anybody else? I thought it was for like the, the elite. And I had to be a better person. I had to clean up my act a little bit before I took that step. But honestly, all of those were excuses, right? And they simply weren't true or good reasons for me not to be baptized. Let me go over some of those together with you. I was scared to be in front of other people. It's legitimate, right? But not enough of a reason to keep me from being baptized. The truth is, Jesus was willing to be naked and beaten and hung on a cross for me. I think that I can be baptized in front of others for him. I wasn't ready spiritually. The truth is that baptism is a first step and not a finish line. 
what we see in Scripture is that a person would put their faith and trust in Jesus, and then they'd be baptized. It's oftentimes like, uh, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. Where's some water? Like, let's do this right now. That's oftentimes they would be so closely connected that it's hard to tell the difference between the two. That's how quickly they were baptized. Uh, we believe in something called believer's baptism. And that's a different distinction between um, infant baptism. Infant baptism is more of a practice and tradition of the church and not necessarily something we see practice in the Bible. What we see is we see people making a choice to follow Jesus and then they take a step to be baptized to symbolize um, that commitment to follow Jesus. I also just basically said, I don't want to. It's kind of what I said in my heart. You know what, God, I know I should be baptized, but to be honest with you, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to do it. The truth is, Jesus commanded it. The question is, am I a follower of Jesus or not? It's one of the first distinguishing acts that illustrates my heart surrender toward Jesus. Some of you might remember the name uh, Paul Harvey. Uh, He was a radio uh, host, and one of his more well-known shows was called The Rest of the Story. You guys remember that? And that is the rest of the story. Those of you younger generations, parents, you'll have to uh, educate, educate them. But um, several years ago, uh, he was asked by Guidepost magazine to write out an article sharing his story. I don't know if you know this, but he was a follower of Jesus as well. And in the article, um, Harvey told how he received how he had received almost every possible award for broadcasting, and yet he still felt empty inside. And one summer while he was on vacation, Harvey and his wife decided to go to church. And that wasn't something that they always did, but they ended up in that Sunday morning service of a church, a tiny church in Cave Creek, Arizona. Only about a dozen people were present that day. Harvey said that, um, there was a good spirit in that place, and for some reason he began thinking about the verse John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He said he liked the idea of everlasting life. He thought that he believed in Jesus, but he had never publicly acknowledged it or been baptized. He said, I remember one night praying in my hotel room and asking Jesus to come into my heart but I felt like there was still something that was missing. And when the preacher got up, he announced that day that his sermon was going to be about baptism. And Paul Harvey said, I yawned. But as he started talking about it, I found myself interested. He talked about the symbolism behind it. He said it symbolized surrender to Jesus Christ. He insisted that there's nothing magic in the water, but he said as a cleansing took place inside of you, when you yielded yourself to Jesus. Paul Harvey said that he surprised even himself when he stood up and he walked to the front when the preacher offered an invitation to be baptized. That preacher said, if anyone wants to be baptized right now today, I want you guys to come forward. And Paul Harvey went forward. Um, He said, yet as I descended, uh, the preacher again said, he, he, he described what happened. The preacher had said, there's nothing magic in the water. Yet as I descended into the depths and rose again, I knew something life-changing had happened. He said, the change, uh, the change this simple act made in my life was so immense as to be indescribable. And since totally yielding to him in baptism, my heart can't stop singing. 
So my, I have two simple questions. Number one is, have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? And number two, have you taken that first step to be baptized? So two simple action steps. I'm going to make it really, really simple, really practical today. The first one is this, that if you are putting your faith in Jesus, but have not been baptized as a believer, I want to challenge you to sign up today to be baptized on Easter Sunday here at our church. I'm not going to make you do it today, uh, but I want you to sign up, and three weeks from today, we will celebrate baptisms together. I want to encourage you to take that step. The way that you can do that is you can take this card, you can write your name on it, on the back. There's a checkbox that says, I want to be baptized. There you go. Fill that out, drop it off in the black bucket on your way out, or come give that to me. You can also go onto our website. You can find the same things on our website, and you can sign up that way. So that's the first step. Um, if, you, if you're here, you've not been baptized, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Yield, surrender your life to Christ, and be baptized. The second action step is this. This is for everyone. Is that uh, if you consider Evident Church to be your home, uh, you're part of a family. Right? And as Pastor GJ said, we're asking people to use their gifts, their time, their talents, and their treasure um, to serve each other. Kind of what's happened, which is kind of cool, but you know, as we've kind of shifted back from COVID, uh, people are attending again, coming back, but uh, volunteers have been hesitant to jump in and engage uh, using their time. And I, I get it, like I understand, right? But if you consider this part of your family, I want to encourage you to use your gifts, use your time to serve at least once a month um, in some way. Um, and you can stop at the, the ministry tables. Uh, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. Uh, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like speed dating for serving. All right. Ministry match. All right. You go talk to one table. It's maybe about kids ministry. You go talk to another table. It's about this ministry. Find a place that fits well for you. Um, sign up to serve once a month is a way that we can help serve more people, um, in our community together. Okay. So those are the two challenges. If you haven't been baptized, I encourage you to take that step. Um, don't wait, and if you aren't currently serving, that you'd sign up to serve uh, at least once a, once a month. Sound good? Or would you guys stand with me as we pray together today? All right, let's pray. I want to encourage you, encourage you just to take a minute where you are and just evaluate where are you in your relationship with God right now? Are you and God, like, close, like, closest you've ever been? If you had to rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, are you maybe a 5? Or maybe you don't even have a relationship with God. Evaluate where you are. The truth is that God has done everything for you to be in a close relationship with him. He doesn't want anything to keep you from him. Whatever it is that might be keeping you from him, please lay it down. Please surrender that to God. If, if baptism is something that you know, you know you need to do and you're not doing that, I want to encourage you to surrender and yield your life to Christ and take that step. If you're not serving and not a part of, of this faith community in that way, I want to encourage you to do that and get to know some other people and and serve. It's one of the closest ways we can live like Jesus is to serve others. So God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love for us. 
God, we celebrate what you're doing in our lives, in our hearts, in and through us. God, thank you for making us alive spiritually. God, thank you for the joy that you bring. I have never regretted for a minute surrendering my life to you, ever. It doesn't make life instantly easier, but it does make life, God, infinitely better. So God, thank you for the life that you give. I pray that everyone here uh, in this room, everyone watching online, would experience the life that you give. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.